Welcome in. It is the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzim Vasugi. I'm the host of the Chief Zone Podcast, and I appreciate all of you guys for taking the time to make this podcast part of your day. Hope you all had a great weekend. Back here once again. It, it, it feels like it's been a couple of weeks for me because last week's episode was recorded at the end of May, as a matter of fact. Uh, so uh, it, it, feel, it feels kind of weird doing this again. Uh, it, it's been a long time since I've actually recorded a podcast, but of course we did uh, have one last week. We had the interview with Marty McDonald, and I got a lot of interesting uh, reactions from a lot of people. Uh, definitely appreciate all of you who uh, listened to the episode and gave your feedback. Now, a, lot, a lot of people had a lot to say about that, a lot of positive stuff too that came out of it. And of course, I had uh, written a little bit about that on arrowheadaddict.com. Uh, so it definitely got a lot of attention. So I appreciate all of you who listened to that. And uh, hopefully you guys all enjoyed that. I uh, definitely wanted to get Marty on for quite some time. Uh, I know uh, what he did. Not necessarily uh, a topical thing in the moment. So I thought maybe during a bye week. But he, he got busy at the time. So we decided to do it during the off season, And we finally got him on. And it was very good to kind of look back at uh, a lot of things that uh, he, he, he did, and uh, it definitely got a lot of attention, something we had never seen from a uh, sports fan before. So it was very cool to talk to Marty and uh, get his perspective once again and get some of the stories and the details that we had never heard before. So that was very fun to do with Marty McDonald. Uh, hopefully we can get him back on the podcast sometime during the season as well. I, I know he's always got a lot to say. Of course, he runs a big fan page, one of the big, bigger fan pages, on social media for the Kansas City Chiefs. So we'll definitely talk to him again uh, sometime later in the calendar year. But nonetheless, we've got a lot to get into on this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Kareem Hunt in a little bit of trouble. This is the second time this offseason he's gotten in trouble. And I want to give my opinion on this. Uh, as It's starting to uh, become a bit of a concern. I'll tell you why in just a moment. A couple of interesting articles written by the national media. One about Kendall Fuller and another one about Sammy Watkins. I want to give you guys the perspective that the national media has on those two guys and what's being written about those two guys. And I think you're going to like what you're going to hear later on. I'll give you guys my thoughts on those stories. Plus, three Chiefs players since we have last spoke have cracked the NFL's top 100 spot. All of them very high We'll talk about those three players, and there's one former Chief who has yet to make the list. I'll tell you who that is, and when can we expect this player to be on the list? Plus, uh, since we last spoke on the podcast, uh, there's been a lot going on with the NFL and Donald Trump, and uh, of course with the Philadelphia Eagles uh, deciding not to attend the uh, the White House uh, celebration and that got a lot of attention. NBA teams, uh, whether it was the Cavs or the Warriors, of course, it ended up being the Warriors. They decided not to show up. But it seems like there's a bit of a twist to this story now. Uh, and Donald Trump, we, I, I know a lot of people don't like how he's handled the, the situation with the NFL. Some love it. But uh, as someone who has been against uh, what, what he has, how he's handled really the whole NFL thing, I think he deserves a little bit of credit. Now, there's something that he has done recently that I don't agree with, and I don't know if it's going to lead to any solutions. But I think it's a start, and maybe they can work on finding a solution through this in some sort of way. I'll tell you what that is 
later on in the podcast. Plus, I'll give you guys my thoughts on Terrell Owens, who announced that he will not be at the Hall of Fame induction. Terrell Owens recently did an interview, and then he says some things in the interview that I want to bring up, and then he does this, which surprised me. I'll talk about that as well. You guys know the social media. If you are a first-time listener, you guys can interact with me on social media. Very easy to do. I've got my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugi, and you guys can like and follow me on Facebook, interact with me on there. You guys can also follow me on Twitter, at Farzine21, and send me an email as well if you're not on social media, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. If you haven't done so yet, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes as well as Google Play. I promise we'd be on Google Play, and now we are. Uh, I appreciate all of you guys who have let me know about this. Uh, and I do apologize. In the past, I have said that we were on Google Play. Uh, I, I, I'm not familiar with Google Play. I've, I had never used it before. I had people telling me the podcast is on there, but uh, later on, it, it turned out others had informed me that those are past episodes uh, from uh, the RSS feed from the uh, the sportsstuff.com. For you longtime listeners, you guys know what I'm talking about when the podcast was on another website. So uh, now we've got that all situated. So again, you may see a couple of different feeds of the sport, of uh, the Chief Zone. Uh, so hopefully you guys know uh, just by looking at the iTunes library, the archive, the episode list, which one is uh, more uh, recent. So that should be very easy to do. But for those who have been wanting uh, the podcast on Google Play for a long time, if you've been patient and listening through iTunes for the longest time, well, if you would like to, you can now switch over and subscribe to the podcast through Google Play. Hit the share buttons on iTunes and Google Play. Let your friends know about the Chief Zone podcast. Before we get started, I do want to bring up the Facebook page. For those who are not on the Facebook page, we've got a we, we do something pretty cool on the Facebook page where we do just a caption photo. Uh, and again, we don't do like a contest of who who gets the best one, who get in giveaway prizes or anything for that. Uh, it, it's really just purely for fun, especially during the down moments or or after a really terrible game. Uh, those are the most fun to do uh, because it brings humor in some of those things. Uh, I'm sure you guys all saw Game 1 of the NBA Finals where J.R. Smith and LeBron James, they had that crazy interaction, that photo that basically went viral worldwide. I uh, uploaded that uh, <laughs> that picture to the Facebook page, again, facebook.com slash Vesugian, and I asked people you know, to, to, to uh, caption certain things, and if it's a non-Chiefs-related photo, I asked people, all right, we'll make this Chiefs-related, uh, and again, you, you see that picture of LeBron He's pointing up to the basket, basically telling J.R. Smith, you know, you should have shot it. We were not leading. And uh, somebody had a comment on there. I, I've got to pull it up real quickly. Someone had probably uh, maybe the best comment I had ever seen in one of the uh, Facebook uh, photo captions that we've done. Uh, I'm trying to pull it up right now. Again, facebook.com slash Vesugian. And again, like I said, anytime we have something that, uh, anytime I upload a photo that is not Chiefs related necessarily, I ask people, well, we'll make it Chiefs related. Uh, well, what do you think the comment would be? And the comment was written by Chad. He goes, quote, I told you Andy Reid's clock management seminar was a bad idea. <laughs> Probably, and it, it, this has uh, 13 total likes on it. Likes, uh, hearts, laughing emoji, whatever. I gave it the laughing emoji because that was more fitting. Uh, but, but epic comment by Chad. We do this occasionally. So if you haven't joined the Facebook page or if you don't uh, interact with us 
uh, for the uh, photo captions, definitely do so. It's definitely worth it. I, I, it brings a lot of humor and uh, a lot a lot of fun to do. So if you haven't, join in on the Facebook page and do so on there. It, it, man, I mean, what do you say with J.R. Smith? Uh, terrible situation. We'll talk about LeBron James in the closing segments of the podcast. But, geez, uh, you know what's funny is watching that, I thought that they were leading too. And I think there was a Warriors player on the bench Yelling at his teammates to foul him, thinking they were actually trailing. So crazy. I mean, hey, these guys are pros. They've got to be paying attention. I mean, you see this in baseball too. If there are two outs, you see some of the infielders and outfielders. They hold two fingers up, letting everyone know, reminding everybody that's the situation. I know in high school, I'm not a big fan of this, but in football, uh, when the fourth quarter starts, they put four fingers above their heads and start waving. I was never a big fan. If anybody can tell me why. High school players do that. Uh, please let me know because I, uh, for the longest time, I've always wondered. Again, when you hold two fingers for two outs, okay, that's a little bit different. You know, I mean, that's that's a necessary reminder to your teammates. But I'm not quite sure why the fourth quarter one. What what that come where that comes from? How that all started? So if anybody knows, please let me know because I've been curious about that for the longest time. I, I just brought it up now uh, and didn't think of mentioning it before, but. Uh, hey, nonetheless, if anyone knows, do let me know on Facebook or Twitter or send me an email about it. But anyway, nonetheless, let's start with Kareem Hunt because this is a story that caught a lot of attention in Kansas City last week and we've got to discuss it. Now, I've also got to be careful because there are not a lot of details on this subject. And again, I, I think we've got to We've got to be mindful of, of certain things. Again, we, we, we know that you're innocent until proven guilty. Fair enough. But when your name is tied to something, that is never a good thing. If you forgot, in February, shortly after the Super Bowl, Kareem Hunt was hanging out with some of his buddies in Ohio, which is his uh, home state, and he and his friends, they got on a party bus, they came across a couple of women, they joined in on the party bus and went back to a hotel, I don't know if it was a hotel or apartment, regardless, they eventually find out that these two women were underage, they were teenagers in fact, and they had, they lied about their age, at least according to reports. Uh, so Kareem Hunt uh, and his buddies told these two women they ha- they need to leave and they prefer not to get them in any trouble knowing what's already happened. Uh, but they refused. And so by physical force, Kareem Hunt was trying to push them out the door. And because he put his hand on a, on a woman, on a, on a person, uh, they ended up calling the police and they got involved and his name was out there. TMZ reported that Kareem Hunt, uh, again, in Ohio, once again, uh, he had allegedly punched a man in the face, no injuries, uh, and no uh, no charges pressed. Kareem Hunt not charged, not in any trouble, not arrested. But there was a police report about it, and Kareem Hunt's name is on it. Alright, so he has two minor incidents. Again, nothing too bad. Uh, one where 
if the story is true to what the report's saying, you know, he he was lied to. He and his friends were lied to about a couple of underage women who were served alcohol during this uh, party bus that they were on. And then second incident, there are very little details about this. Uh, there's no explanation as to why he punched this man. And by the way, I'm hearing people say, well, at least it was a man, not a woman. Uh, I know there's always this this universal rule that men should never put their hands on, on, on a woman. Don't get me wrong. I agree. But I don't think man or woman, you should be putting your hands on anybody unless it's in self-defense. And again, doesn't matter man or woman. Self-defense is self-defense. Uh, and I think everyone listening is smart enough to know the difference between putting your hands on someone and what self-defense is with that said again we don't know i mean did the guy come after kareem hunt and kareem hunt defended himself and punched the guy i don't know what i do know is that this is the second time that he has gotten in trouble and both times in ohio with his friends that he's hanging out with Second time this offseason, since February. Folks, here's the deal. When I was in high school, I, I mean, I didn't have a lot of friends. Uh, a couple of the friends that I did have, they got into some constant trouble with with the police. And they continued to get in trouble. And luckily, I was never dragged into any of this. I was never around when they did get in trouble. But at some point, I realized, if I do continue to hang with these people... Eventually, I'm going to get dragged into something, and I'll, I could, I, I could easily get in trouble just for being a bystander, just for even being there. So what I do, I cut ties with them because I don't want to get, end up getting in trouble like they are. And I look, since then, again, I was 18, 19 years old. I've cut ties with them. Haven't seen them since. Now I don't know. I, I, I don't know what they've been up to if they've been in trouble or whatnot. But my point is. If you're rolling with a group of friends who are constantly getting you into trouble, and again, I don't know the details. I don't know if this is Kareem Hunt's fault or if maybe there's a friend in this circle that's leading him to constantly be involved with the police. I don't know what the details are. But someone in that circle of friends right there is getting Kareem Hunt in trouble. And let me say this too, because... People want to talk about him possibly getting released and, and whatnot. If this continues, Kareem Hunt is 100% replaceable. Now, can you find another Kareem Hunt out there? A guy who doesn't fumble the football? Fumbles very... I mean, let's not forget his first uh, and only fumble was on the first offensive snap of the season against the Patriots. Since then... Kareem Hunt did not fumble since uh, that first snap. No, it's not easy to find a guy like that. However, what I do know and what everyone listening is smart enough to to know, Andy Reid has no problems finding a running back. You play under Andy Reid, whether it's in Philadelphia or in Kansas City, and if you've played the running back position, odds are you've succeeded Simply because you're playing under Andy Reid's offense at that position. You want to hear the names? Brian Westbrook. Shady McCoy. Jamal Charles. Kareem Hunt. Heck, Spencer Ware had a couple of good seasons under Andy Reid. 
Charkandrick West even shined at some some points. And I'm sure there are probably a couple of backups who ended up playing a lot better. Uh, they, they served as better backups simply because they were playing uh, that position under Andy Reid. My point is, if Kareem Hunt continues to be involved in these kinds of incidents, well, first of all, the Chiefs are probably going to have very little interest in wanting to resign, re-sign him when his contract is up. Number two, the Chiefs, the whole idea of not resigning him becomes easier because that's a position where anyone can succeed if they play under Andy Reid. It's it's not it's not rocket science. I mean, this is probably the easiest. This is the position you can always rely on that will always be good if Andy Reid is your head coach. So if I'm Kareem Hunt, man. I start making some some decisions, not just for the sake of my career, but also for the sake of my life. Well, what's more important to you, these friends of yours, or making sure you have a stable job in the NFL and avoid getting into trouble? Uh, let, let's just say Kareem Hunt's not even an NFL, but let's just say he's the an average Joe, like you and I. What is he doing getting into trouble like this? Is it really worth it to be with the crowd that he's with? I don't really know. And by the way, a lot of people, I never even thought of mentioning this. A lot of people have mentioned the fact that Marcus Peters was let go because some of his antics on the field, and again, I'm not defending any anything he's done in any shape or form. Uh, I certainly do think those are, unac- it's unacceptable behavior. However, a lot of, people, a lot of you guys mentioned Marcus Peters was never involved in any trouble outside of the field. He was never involved in any incident where the police had to come and write a report. That was never an issue. The only issue with Marcus Peters is his character. And maybe the Chiefs were not willing to really work it with that anymore with him. I don't know. That what would whatever. But I don't want to really dwell on that too much because he's already been traded and, you know, it is what it is. What I can tell you right now is that when your name is involved in two incidents like this, folks, police reports are no joke. People want to, I I was really sickened by the fact that people were uh, shutting down this woman's claim of what happened. Now, sure, those women, they probably should be in some trouble for what they did. And lying and saying that they were 21 and all. But at the same time, I, I mean, that doesn't mean that Kareem Hunt and his friends were all in the clear and then they were all said Maybe they are. But people are assuming like they know the story and they're just refuting this woman's side uh, of the deal. When this TMZ story came out, everybody called it fake news. People said that, it, you know, it's, it's not true. We have to wait for more details. But I'll tell you what. If... And I'm making up a scenario here. If Derek Carr, quarterback of the Oakland Raiders, was involved in any incident similar to this, Chiefs fans would jump all over this and call him a troublemaker, say it's typical of a Raider. Listen, I'm not saying you have to love Derek Carr or any Oakland Raiders player. No, 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 not not at all. But what I'm saying is, let's be a little bit fair here and not be hypocritical about things. Because if you're going to defend... Kareem Hunt for some of his actions. 
man, uh, I mean, I, I, would you do that for any other player? Would you would you be objective and fair and think the same way about someone else? And listen, I get it. And it's not just Kansas City sports fans. Other sports fans do this too. I remember Danny Duffy when he had his DUI last year. Danny Duffy, uh, starting pitcher for the Royals. There are a lot of Royals, pl- uh, Royals fans, excuse me, who came to his defense saying it was a mistake. Other people have done it. He's not, he's not perfect. I mean, I just saw all kinds of excuses for Danny Duffy. But I guarantee, I mean, if Derek Carr got arrested for a DUI, oh. You know Chiefs fans would have a lot of fun with this. So come on. Again, I'm not saying let's slam Kareem Hunt. No, no, we we don't even have the full details for both incidents. However, I'm also asking you guys, don't defend the, the guy either. He's hanging out with the wrong crowd, apparently, and it's getting him into some trouble. Folks, Police reports are no joke. If a police officer, there are a lot of things that police officers could be doing. You know, unfortunately, there are shootings taking place. There are murders happening. There are robberies. There are there are rapes. So many, there's a lot of criminal activity happening everywhere in the world. If a police officer is taking the time to show up to the scene where Kareem Hunt is and write down a report and put his name. On this report, it cannot be taken lightly. And by the way, a lot of people are criticizing Andy Reid because he was asked about this and he said whatever the issue is, it will be spoken to Kareem Hunt and Kareem Hunt only. And rightfully so. A lot of people want Andy Reid to speak about this publicly. Folks, last year when there was the issue with Marcus Peters and Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid did not publicly say anything about it. A lot of people wanted Andy Reid to throw Travis Kelsey and Marcus Peters under the bus publicly. Not going to happen. A lot of people wanted Andy Reid to publicly criticize Bob Sutton. Not going to happen. I'm not saying those guys shouldn't be criticized. Travis Kelsey, some of his unsportsmanlike conduct plays. Uh, Peters, we already discussed. Bob Sutton, his poor performance as a, as a defensive coordinator last year. I'm not shying away from any of those things. You guys, you guys know me. If you've listened to, to the podcast during the season, you know I've, I've been criticizing those guys when they, they should have been at the right times. However, as the head coach of this team, Andy Reid, who's been around the game of football for a very long time, he doesn't handle things in that manner. That's not how he does business. He's not going to throw Travis Kelsey under the bus for an unsportsmanlike conduct. He's not going to bash Kareem Hunt publicly in front of the media with all the microphones stuck up to his face for him to just bash him in a public manner. He's not going to do that. I'm sure Andy Reid, Clark Hunt, Brett Veach, I'm sure all the all three of those guys, maybe Clark Hunt staying out of it. I don't know. I'm just... I'm just speculating on this part here, but I'm sure the important members of the Chiefs front office are talking to Kareem Hunt behind closed doors and they are handling this as they should be. Listen, I want Kareem Hunt to stay on this football team just because I think a running back is replaceable under Andy Reid doesn't mean I want Kareem Hunt out. Don't get me wrong. I want to make that part clear. What I'm saying is if he continues to get in trouble like this, then the Chiefs have a very easy decision to make by the time his contract is up. 
Unless he does something super extreme before that. Let's hope it doesn't get to that. And let's hope this is the last time we hear something about Kareem Hunt in a police report. Two incidents in one offseason, folks, that's that's not good. And people might might be saying, well, wasn't Patrick Mahomes involved? In Patrick Mahomes was robbed. Or a, there was a, an attempted robbery of some sort there. It's not like Mahomes and his friends were looking for trouble and they were in, in a bad scene. This was a very unfortunate incident. That's what it was. And listen, you know, you want to talk about people who go out at night and they party, they drink. Travis Kelsey is very well known. He is notorious for going out and party. I remember uh, the uh, Christmas game, Christmas night game against the Broncos. Roughly 30 to 40 hours before that game, Travis Kelsey was spotted at Westport. And there was this goofball Broncos fan who, who was a blogger for, a, uh, for an NFL website uh, he, he, he was making a big deal about this, about how Kelsey's partying at, at Westport and drinking later. Travis Kelsey, yes, Travis Kelsey's out there. He He's out in bars and does drink late at night. Does he get in trouble? No. Listen, you can go out late at night and have a good time, have a drink or two, and still get out of trouble. Shocking, I know. You can do those things and still avoid trouble. I, it's breaking news, apparently. So, so listen, I don't know exactly what Kel- Kelsey's from Ohio too, by the way. So uh, I, I'm sure he and, and there's been pictures of him and Kareem Hunt. They were hanging out at a Cleveland Cavaliers game uh, earlier this offseason. So you want to talk about what these players do off the field? A lot of them go out and have fun. A lot of them also avoid trouble too. Listen, I don't again. I don't know exactly what's happening with Kareem Hunt. These details are very vague. But if this happens one more time, even if it's another minor incident, that's strike three right there. And the Chiefs are probably going to start to have some some discussions behind closed doors, which at that point would, would probably involve Clark Hunt trying to figure out what in the world do we do now. So hopefully, Kareem Hunt has learned his lesson these two times. And doesn't let anything happen for a third time. As much as he's replaceable as a running back under Andy Reid's offense, he's still a, he's still a needed guy. I'm not saying to just let him loose and, and promote Charkandrick West. No, not at all. I still want to see Kareem Hunt on this football team. But I also hope he can stay out of trouble too. Because there's no reason for a guy like him to be out there doing getting getting involved in things like this. Hopefully he can figure that out because not quite sure who in his circle of friends is causing this, but I I, I think at some point in life you've got to um, you've got to, to to make some tough choices and, and cut ties. There's a UFC fighter named Brian Ortega who was undefeated by the way through eleven fights. He's getting his first ever title shot in the UFC this July, and by the way, I'll be there for UFC two twenty six. I've been following this kid for a very long time. This kid's the reason I bring this up. This kid's background: he gotten into a lot of trouble and had a lot of bad friends. Uh, this gentleman who approached him, who is now his boxing coach, by the way, told him, "Look, I can teach you a lot of cool things, but you've got to give up all the friends you have." And Brian Ortega did exactly that. Has not gotten in trouble since then, and. Now look where he is in life, undefeated in the UFC, and is going to get his first title shot in less than a month. 
So it's doable, folks. Sure, I, I, I can understand these might be longtime friends of Kareem Hunt's, but uh, how much is it really worth to you? Let me know what you guys think about this. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian, Twitter.com slash Farzine21, and my email, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Now, let's switch to the positive a little bit. We've got some positive things to get into now. Uh, a couple of stories written by the national media. Let's start with the first one here. Hunter Knoll of NFL Spin Zone, which is part of Fanzided. He wrote uh, about Kendall Fuller saying that Kendall Fuller will make the loss of Marcus Peters easier to accept. Now, as you may remember, Alex Smith was traded to the Washington Redskins for a third-round pick and for cornerback Kendall Fuller, the former general manager of the Washington Redskins. uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he tweeted that he would absolutely never trade Kendall Fuller and that this is a guy that uh, people can build a defense around. Teams can build a defense around. So, you know Kansas City's picking up a very good player in Kendall Fuller here. Best slot cornerback in the game last year. Pro Football Focus rated him the sixth best cornerback in the NFL. And by the way, I'll, I'll include David Amerson. Because I think he's very underrated as well. I know a lot of people are upset about Marcus Peters. and In fact, this was actually brought up recently on the Facebook page. Uh, some people have accepted it, some people still confused, some still upset, some still don't know really what to think until we see Amerson and Fuller on the field, but I've been saying for a long time now, I, I think, uh, you know, at one point, again, it was not official necessarily, however, at one point you had Marcus Peters, David Amerson, and Kendall Fuller all on the football team. And when the Chiefs picked up Amerson, I was ecstatic. You guys know me. I immediately wrote it on the Facebook page when I heard about this. It was on a Friday night. I thought the Chiefs were going to have an amazing secondary. You've got... What I what I thought they were going to do was have Marcus Peters and David Amerson as your starters and let Kendall Fuller stay at that slot corner position. If he was number one in the league last year... Keep him at that position, especially if you're going to work with Emmett Thomas as your defensive backs coach. One of two assistant coaches who were retained from the previous regime, uh, the Pioli and Todd Haley slash Romeo Cornell regime. So you know that you've got a very good defensive backs coach. Brandon Flowers certainly flourished under Emmett Thomas. We've seen Eric Berry do special things, and I think a big part of that is because of Emmett Thomas. I don't think position coaches don't get a lot of credit for these kinds of things. It's it's more so the head coach and the coordinators and they they deserve it too, don't get me wrong, but I think these position coaches deserve a little bit of the glory as well. And Emmett Thomas, of course, I mean everyone knows who Emmett Thomas is, a former Super Bowl champion, one of the best cornerbacks in NFL history, one of the cornerbacks who paved the way for many of the cornerbacks we've seen who have come and gone in the National Football League. And now he's continuing to do things. He's, he's sticking with the game of football, of course, in a big manner. And he's done a lot of big things here in Kansas City. He's been around for a very long time as, as an assistant coach. Longest out of all the coaches right now, head coaches, coordinators, assistants. Uh, I believe he's been here the longest uh, out of any coach in Kansas City. So, uh, And, of course, him playing here uh, in his career, I'm sure it holds a special place in his heart, and he wants to stay here. Uh, you see this with a lot of former players. When they retire, they still want to stay in Kansas City. 
whether it's just to live or as an ambassador, as, as an assistant coach and whatever, you, you get the drill. Uh, so I think with this secondary here, and let's not forget Eric Berry's coming back, and hopefully he can stay healthy. I know he's, he's and this is aside from his uh, battle with Hodgkin's lymphoma, uh, he's dealt with a lot of injuries in his career. Had the torn ACL in 2011 in the first game of the season, had the uh, ruptured Achilles in the first game of last season, against the Patriots, and then in 2014, before he had to step away from the game of football uh, to face uh, the battle that he had with Hodgkin's lymphoma, he had dealt with a couple of injuries before that already, and I don't know if that was related in any way to his cancer, I don't believe it was, but uh, he's dealt with a lot of injuries in his career, so hopefully Eric Berry has been able to rest and recover you know, at least if we if we're gonna find a silver lining to this, the injury in week one will give you plenty of time to recover and get ready for the following season. So that that's really if you want to at least bring a positive spin to this, that's the best way you can really look at it. And listen, Kansas City's gonna need these guys. Hopefully, D Ford can step up. Hopefully, Breland Speaks can make an impact. Justin Houston, hopefully he can return to his 2014 Pro Bowl form because if we see the 2014 Justin Houston, it's going to be a long, long game for quarterbacks and opposing offensive coordinators. Because if you've got that terrorizing pass rush right right there that no one's going to want to go up against and that ferocious secondary with Eric Berry, Kendall Fuller, and David Amerson, that is a very strong secondary there, a very underrated group of defensive backs, especially at that cornerback position. And I'll even throw in Steven Nelson's name too, because I know Steven Nelson didn't have the greatest season in Kansas City last year, but the year before that, Steven Nelson was a great slot cornerback, and he had done some good things against some of the top wide receivers in the league. Here's my projected cornerback uh Depth chart, I guess, so to say. I think the best thing to do is to have Amerson and Fuller serve as your starting cornerbacks and Steven Nelson be your nickelback. Because he was very good at that position a couple of years ago. One of the best. You've got Eric Berry. What's going to happen with the other safety position? That's up for grabs. Sorensen did some things last year. The Chiefs brought in Robert Golden who's been very active on special teams, but also has seen some time as a starter in his career at safety. Armani Watts maybe could be a dark horse uh, from the draft. We'll see. Uh, There's a wide-open position right beside Eric Berry. Of course, uh, the Chiefs let go of Ron Parker for cap reasons, and there's an opportunity that somebody else could step in. Eric Murray, also a guy who should be mentioned, uh, there are a lot of uh, players who, who are going to be competing for that spot. So it's going to be very interesting to see w- w- what happens with that exactly. But uh, re- regardless who it ends up being, uh, they're going to they're gonna be surrounded by good company. And this is what Kansas City needs. They need that strong secondary. And Chris Jones, uh, this is a guy who, who's worth mentioning too. He can do some things up front to disrupt the pocket and pressure quarterbacks. And you know what happens when quarterbacks are under pressure and they just want to throw up a football, turns into an ill-advised pass, and 99% of the time, those get intercepted. And you've got a ball-hawking safety in Eric Berry. You've got guys in Kendall Fuller and David Amerson, who, by the way, both have tremendous speed, 
And if they've got the football in their hands, and if there's one or two big blocks from those big defensive linemen up front, uh, he's going to, one of those guys will take it to the house. Or at least come very close to doing so. If you want to read that full article and the details about that, it's on NFLSpinZone.com. It was written by Hunter Knoll, uh, talking about Kendall Fuller making the loss of Marcus Peters a little bit easier. Another national story. Uh, last week, Andy Reid praised Sammy Watkins after one of the OTA sessions. And Sammy Watkins has been getting a lot of uh, a lot of coverage, a lot of love for uh, his performance on the field in OTA so far. Again, you guys know my thoughts. I'm, I'm not big on OTA performances. I, I think. I take those lightly. As long as players aren't getting injured, I, I think it's it can be considered a good and successful OTA. As long as players are learning the system, they're they're getting a good grasp on certain things, a good handle on certain things. Then I think it's a it's considered a successful OTA. Uh, but when you see guys making spectacular plays, like Sammy Watkins has had the one handed catch and whatnot, fans love seeing those things, and those are cool to see for sure. Lindsey Jones, who's a phenomenal reporter, by the way. She is formerly with the Denver Post. She covered the Broncos before. Did a phenomenal job as a reporter. And now she's covering the NFL for USA Today. She was in Kansas City and did a story on Sammy Watkins. And she talked about in the headline, it talks about Sammy Watkins. Yes, he's getting number one receiver type of money. However, he's unlikely to get number one receiver type of statistics. Now, here's what I've always been... Here's what I mentioned when the signing happened. You've got a lot of guys on this offense that Patrick Mahomes can work with. Kareem Hunt and, again, like I said earlier on the podcast, running backs always do well. So, you've got a lot of reliable guys behind you in the offensive backfield. Then when you look to your left, you look to your right, you've got Travis Kelsey, who made a claim this week, by the way, that he is the best tight end in the NFL. You've got Tyree Kill, who's probably the best offensive weapon in the NFL. Then you've got Sammy Watkins, who's probably one of the more explosive players in the NFL, and he's done some things special that other wide receivers have not been able to do on the field. And at 25 years old, and with Patrick Mahomes being 22 years old, it's very possible that these two guys can... Do some special things on the field. Andy Reid praised him after one of the OTA workouts saying that we've overloaded him with this stacked offense. Uh, He was quoted saying that's how we do it with this offense and that's something new for him. Referring to the fact that this is a guy who's going to be in a role now. Sammy Watkins has never been part of this because he's always been the primary target on offense. For the teams that he's been with. With Buffalo. With the Rams. Now he's on an offense where. As he's trying to resurrect his career. He's trying to improve. And revive himself a little bit. He, there's no pressure on him. I've, I've talked about this before. There's no pressure on Sammy Watkins. To have a thousand yards. And he was also quoted in this article. Written by Jones. Saying I might not get a thousand yards. And be called a bust or whatever. But as long as I'm winning championships and we're in a Super Bowl, I couldn't. I, the quote says I could care less, but I, I think he meant I couldn't care less about the stats and the yards, which are obviously very smart things to say, of course. But here's the other thing about it: if there was no Travis Kelsey, if there was no Tyreek Hill, if all you had was Kareem Hunt, 
and Sammy Watkins, well, Sammy Watkins, you know, for a guy who's trying to improve and try to be the in the form that he was in the first couple of years in the NFL, it might not be an easy transition for him. He might as well have stayed wherever he was before. But in Kansas City, when you have a top five, maybe top two tight end in Travis Kelsey and one of the more explosive wide receivers in Tyreek Hill, probably the fastest player in the NFL, well then there's some room for Sammy Watkins to ease his way back into things and not be under pressure so much. Remember, keep in mind last year when the Chiefs started things off in New England, Tyreek Hill had a phenomenal game and Kareem Hunt had a phenomenal game. Travis Kelsey was fairly quiet statistically speaking. The following week against the Eagles, Kareem Hunt had a big game, Travis Kelsey had a big game, Tyreek Hill was a little bit more quiet. Now that doesn't mean that Tyreek Hill did nothing on the field. His presence is never to to be ignored. Maybe teams are double teaming Tyreek Hill one game and not double teaming Travis Kelsey one week. The following week, it'll probably be flipped the other way around. Travis Kelsey's double teamed more often. Tyreek Hill isn't. And and essentially, those guys, even if they're not getting a lot of catches, if Travis Kelsey has two catches for 20 yards, well, maybe it's because Tyreek Hill had a big game and the defensive backs were so focused on Kelsey, they forgot about Hill. And it could be the other way around the next game. Now you've got a triple threat in your passing game with Sammy Watkins being part of it. Because now opposing defensive coordinators... I don't know how teams are going to prepare for this Chiefs offense. I really don't. Because Sammy Watkins, okay, you've got Sammy Watkins all the way on the left. You've got Tyreek Hill on the right. Okay, you've got Travis Kelsey close to the offensive line here. and He can move in motion. He he, he can go out uh, near the sideline. I mean, he can line up in different parts of the field. And still, no one's going to be able to stop him. But he also has two other guys around him, so that makes it more difficult for defensive players to figure out what they're going to do and who they want to double team. You want to you want to double team all three guys? Okay, you put two on Watkins, two on Hill, two on two on Kelsey. Okay, you've got six guys there. You pretty much don't have anybody else, uh, and you've got to account for the other two skill position guys. So this is not going to be a very easy uh, offense. If this Chiefs team, knock on wood. If they can stay healthy on offense, and luck is a big part of that, and not just that, but of course, good good strength and conditioning, uh, just just knowing how to warm up and, and taking care of your body, I mean, that's a huge part of it as well, but it's more of a luck thing more than anything else. If this offense can stay healthy, I, I'm excited to see just how, how far this offense can really go. And again, a lot of it depends on Patrick Mahomes, but... Watkins, his role is going to be very interesting. I think there's a there's an opportunity for him to to prove that he can be uh, one of the more improved players in 2018. Maybe I, I don't think he'd necessarily be a player that could be in the running for a comeback player of the year. Generally, those are given to guys who suffer injuries, but also to guys who struggle immensely the year before or even two consecutive years. But he, but, but this is an offense that's perfect. For Sammy Watkins. And he's going to do a lot of special things. And Andy Reid's praising him. And yeah, I mean, look, Andy Reid, he's been around this game for a long time. He doesn't just praise guys just for the hell of it. He does it because he knows he sees something special in those guys. 
I just want the season to start already. I want to really see how this offense does. Preseason games, again, not, not going to get too excited for that, but I really need to see this team in a couple of preseason games. How does this offense operate? How will Patrick Mahomes do? Because that's really all we're looking for. If Mahomes can handle his business, if he can get the ball in the right areas, and we talked to Dan Shanka about this a couple of weeks ago. Dan Shanka, a scout for our our lads, excuse me, former chief scout, former Eagle scout, uh, former colleague of Andy Reid's, and he said the last time he can remember a quarterback stepping into the starting role and having this much talent to work with was Aaron Rodgers. I didn't, I didn't even think about that. And, and you know, to be honest, I don't know if I agree with his uh, assessment of that. I actually think that Patrick Mahomes has more talent than Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not saying that Dan said that. He was just saying the last time he can remember seeing this many talented guys for a new QB was, was for Rodgers. Um, we could have a debate as to who who had the better talent. Maybe it's a better debate to have after the season. But man, I mean, this is the adding Sammy Watkins to the list really completed this offense for me. The only question a lot of people have is the offensive line, and people blame Alex Smith not stepping up in the pocket when he should have at times. Uh, I, I think this is a very underrated offensive line. I think people forget that Alex Smith, you know, his sack total it, it was close to some of the other. QBs out there, guys like Carson Wentz, Tom Brady, some of the, I mean, the, the two quarterbacks who uh, had the number one seeds for their teams this past year. Now, I know Wentz obviously did not play in the Super Bowl. It was Nick Foles, former chief, as a friendly reminder there. But nonetheless, I think Alex Smith's sack total was a little bit blown out of proportion by some Chiefs fans. Let me know your thoughts on this because I think it's one of these situations where you know you add a player like Sammy Watkins and in one player's addition can that really make a big difference and I think it does and if you want to read Lindsey Jones's article it's on USA Today and the title of that once again is Chiefs Sammy Watkins has number one receiver money but unlikely to get number one receiver stats kind of has a negative spin in the headline but there are a lot of positive things said about Sammy Watkins in the article so if you want to take a chance uh take some time and uh, read that if you have the chance to do so uh, it's on usatoday.com. Final thing I want to talk about, uh, or a couple of things I want to talk about before we go to our closing segments, the NFL Top 100 list. Some people like this list, some people don't. It is a list compiled by NFL players. Uh, they're the ones who are compiling this list. For some reason, J.J. Watt's on this list, even though he barely plays football the past couple of years. Now he's done some great things off the field too, and people still love him for that, but uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, take it for what it is. Tyreek Hill is 40th on the list. He was 36 last year. A little bit of a surprise to see he took a step back, but hey, still fairly close. I mean, he's in the top 40. Kareem Hunt, number 33, his first time in the first time he's eligible to be on an NFL top 100 list. Travis Kelsey, 24th on the list. Now, as far as former Chiefs go, Marcus Peters, he is 79th on this list. He was 32nd. In 2017, in 65, and 2016. So he's been in some different parts of the list here and there in the past couple of years. Alex Smith, surprisingly, not on the list, at least not yet. They've revealed players from number 100 all the way through number uh, number 20. So Alex Smith might be viewed as a top 20 player. I'm not quite sure. Uh, I mean, he should be on this top 100 list. I don't know if I would have put him at top 20, but... Uh, I, 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 he has to be on the list for sure. I'd be shocked if he's not. 
Uh, he was part of an offense that had 4,000 passing yards and 1,000 yards from a tight end, a running back, and a receiver. So I'd be shocked if he was omitted from this top 100 list. Still surprised that he would be in the top 20, but we'll, we'll see exactly what's going to happen in the coming weeks. Uh, to give you an idea, Alex Smith uh, in both 2017 and 2016 was rated the 81st best player in the NFL in the top 100 list. So some people like this list, some people don't, some people don't care about it. Uh, if you've got players who are very high on the list, then fans have a, a better reason to care about it. But for right now, uh, and I think these are the only current Chiefs you will see on this list. Tyree Kill at 40, Hunt at 33, Travis Kelsey at 24. And again, Marcus Peters, who is now with the Rams, he is 79th. And we're still waiting to see where Alex Smith gets on the list, assuming he gets on there, I, I have a strong, I'm pretty sure he's got to be on the list, I, I'd be shocked if he wasn't, so we'll see. Final thing I want to talk about here, and this is a very interesting story that's come out, uh, everyone has heard about what happened with the Philadelphia Eagles and Donald Trump, uh, Donald Trump, he released a statement saying that the uh, the uh, celebration with the Philadelphia Eagles has been canceled because, in his words, and again, I'm paraphrasing here, uh, they disagree with their president on standing for the anthem, putting a hand over the heart. Uh, look, a lot of people called this forced patriotism. I, I don't really like that term. But for a guy like Trump who's criticizing the NFL for this, I mean, he was spotted at the uh, the college football uh national championship game and he was trying to sing along to the national anthem didn't know the words to it i mean look if you're gonna if if you're gonna uh criticize nfl players uh for not standing and uh, for the anthem and all i mean and if you don't know the word i mean come on by the way there's also a a gift that's been used throughout this whole story of uh of the national anthem being played melania trump taps donald's uh on the side trying to get him to put his hand over his heart. So, I mean, come on. Obviously, he hasn't been doing it too. I mean, let's be fair about this. But anyway, uh, this has turned into a a battle now because uh, the NFL made their ruling uh, about what they want to have happen during the anthem, either be on the field, stand, or stay in the locker room. And both Trump and Pence were were very happy about this. They expressed their... uh, their excitement for this publicly. And we've seen this expand to other sports. Uh, both the Cavaliers and the Warriors, uh, they have said that they're not going to go. Steve Kerr, the head coach of the Warriors, he has he, he has been very vocal against Donald Trump and, uh, and against the NFL's ruling for... Uh, what they want to have happen during the uh, during the anthem. Now, last year, as you may know, the Warriors were invited uh, to the go to the White House to celebrate their championship, but declined. Of course, certainly no reason to think that it'll be different this time around. Uh, the I can't remember the name of the player for the Washington Capitals, but uh, after winning the Stanley Cup, uh, this specific player said that he does not want to go to the White House, and he is urging all of his teammates to forego the to the White House invitation as well. So, listen, uh, I mean, I, I know people have their thoughts on Trump, some positive, some people think uh, negatively of him. Uh, it's not a coincidence that all of these athletes, these prominent figures are wanting to, wanting to 
skip the uh, invitation. Look at the Patriots invitation last year, or the celebration rather. A lot of players no-showed that, including Tom Brady, who at one point was publicly uh, supportive of Trump, and we haven't really seen much of that from him anymore. And I don't know how much of that has to do with him trying to avoid certain criticism because we do see, uh, you know, regardless positive or negative your thoughts on Trump, we see a lot of celebrities who uh, just get criticized a lot simply for their political opinions. So this has just been, there's been a back and forth battle. And and what did I say a couple weeks ago? I said, look, people are not listening. And, And it's more so from Trump's side because he's just wanting to push his agenda. Well, I think we've got to give Trump a little bit of credit because uh, there's been a report out there well, from the from over the weekend uh, that Donald Trump says he will ask for pardon recommendations from NFL players who are protesting police brutality and racism. Now, there are some people out there, and I I, I do agree with this notion that people don't necessarily agree with this idea because. There's no pardoning that's that's needed. The the brutality here has led to innocent people being dead. So I can understand that side of things. But when I hear that Donald Trump is wanting to hear out NFL players, I applaud that. I think that's a start. That's what we need right now. Again, you guys know my thoughts on, on Trump. I, I I'm strongly against him. But let's all put a put aside our political bullcrap. Whether you're with him or not, Donald Trump's doing something that he has not done for a while, and and he deserves a little bit of credit for this, assuming he follows through with all, all this. He's wanting to hear NFL players out. Now again, this approach specifically, the pardon recommendation, I'm not I, that I'm not for, because again, a lot of people have said the police brutality has not led to people getting wrongly arrested uh these are people who are who are wrongly dead and that obviously cannot change so where does this go from here i mean that i don't know i i said before i think this is far from over i still think you know you're gonna see some disagreements on this but it's a it's a start isn't it i mean for for all the talks that we have again whether you are against the uh protesting or whether you're for it Every single person has to agree that this is a start to trying to meet in the middle and trying to build some common ground here because that's what needs to start happening right now. If we just continue to push one side of things and we continue to attack the other, we're never going to get anywhere, folks. That's not rocket science. It doesn't take an expert to see that. It doesn't take a president of the United States or an NFL player to know that. Uh, but now we're at the point where we're starting to hear each other. That is... The, We've, we've got to start doing that. Not just for incidents like this, but for a lot of things. But for for something like this, police brutality and racism, something very serious and something that needs to be squashed, in, not just in our country, but in our world. I know, I know this deal with Trump and the NFL doesn't have worldwide capabilities, but it could one day be a domino effect to, to something like that. You never know. Uh, maybe Trump in the NFL can learn from... From other countries in situations like this, I don't know. I I, I don't have the answers. I'm not a president. I, I'm not. A, I'm not a politician. I am not an activist for for any of these things. Uh, but what I do know, again, we have positive progress that's being made, and I think both sides are trying to work to get together. And that, my friends, 
is what needs to start happening. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. Normally, I throw a penalty flag for this, but it's so repetitive. I've done this so many times, but I still want to bring this up. Julian Edelman has been hit with a four-game suspension, taking him bad substance, and he was quoted saying, I don't know what happened. This is a problem, and we hear this a lot, and and again, I I, I hear this a lot from UFC fighters, too, uh, when they get in trouble like this, using a banned substance, not knowing how this bad substance gotten in their body uh look uh, i mean you still have to take responsibility for this it may have been tainted whatever the case may be there are a lot of athletes out there that don't get into trouble like this they don't get suspended for banned substances and maybe you need to take a page from their book because there are some people who are doing it right they don't ever get in trouble for anything and i mean they're all tested and they're in the clear so this is on element right now so uh this is all on him Certainly all on him. One other story I want to talk about. Earl Thomas wants a new deal and refuses to show up for Seahawks minicamp. He's been wanting a new deal for a long time, by the way. And has been wanting more money for from the from the Seahawks. He, uh, uh, by the way, uh, the first six years missed no games for the Seahawks. However, the last two years... Missed seven games combined. Now, a lot of people are going to be looking at Eric Berry's contract, seeing what kind of a deal he could be getting. Eric Berry, last year, before the season started, signed a six-year deal worth $78 million. Earl Thomas signed a four-year deal worth $40 million. In 2018, he has a base salary of $8.5 million and has a cap hit of $10.4 million. So, you know, I mean, $10.4 million, it's not a lot to him. He wants more than that. Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, boy, I mean, that's a lot of money to uh, to, to, to complain about and uh, not want. It's funny with these NFL players, man, uh, and not just NFL, a lot of pro athletes who aren't satisfied with uh, what they have currently. And look, I, I get it. I mean, he he feels like he's one of the best. He, maybe he thinks he's a better safety than Eric Berry. He can make a case saying, look, I've been healthier than Eric Berry in the NFL. And he does have actually a legitimate case for that. Um, but man, uh, I mean, he's played in more games than, than Eric Berry. And again, you look at Eric Berry's deal, $78 million in six years. Earl Thomas could easily, I mean, if, if he can have it his way, I could see him landing a six-year deal worth $85 million would be very high for a safety. I think the Eric Berry deal is very high, and people blame John Dorsey for letting that go on for too long. But, man, I mean, that's going to be very interesting to watch over in Seattle. Another interesting thing that came out last week, Terrell Owens, newly named to the Hall of Fame. He was supposed to be inducted, but Terrell Owens said he will not be at his Hall of Fame induction Instead, he will have his own Hall of Fame celebration, induction kind of deal. Not quite sure exactly what this is going to be. He recently did an interview on Sirius XM's NFL channel. Talking about how you know he, he acknowledged some of the things he did that rubbed a lot of people uh, the wrong way. And he talked about how he would have done some things differently in terms of his attitude, which would have probably changed everyone's perception and his opinion about him and he really came off apologetic about some of the things that he had done during his playing career but now he's proving 
why a lot of fans and even coaches and his teammates couldn't stand him in the first place. Not quite sure where Terrell Owens gets the idea that it's such a smart move to not go to his own Hall of Fame induction to forego this and to skip this. This is a very prestigious honor in the NFL. I, I don't know if uh, Terrell Owens is... I mean, look, I, I'm sure he's aware of this, but I don't think he understands the the prestige behind this, really. I mean, exactly. Because this is something that a lot of kids dream about. And, you know, I mean, getting into the NFL alone is a dream. And to not take part in the induction ceremony, I, I really do think it's a spit in the face to the sport and all of the people who are part of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, as well as people who are deserving to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame and are not in it. It's very disappointing to see, especially from a guy like T.O. I know he's had a questionable character in his playing career, but I didn't think he was going to pull a move like this. Certainly had no idea that a player would ever want to do something like this for such an honorable occasion. Very disappointing to see. Very disappointing for sure. Let's go out of bounds. I said I wanted to talk about the LeBron James story, where he could go now. A lot of people talking about how this could be his, what it has now been, likely his final season in Cleveland. I saw a tweet uh, right before I started recording the podcast that his his kids have already been enrolled for school in Los Angeles. I don't know how much. Who knows if that's a fake attempt and trying to get clicks, views, whatever the case may be. Um... I mean, boy, I mean, people would have to do a lot of searching, a lot of digging to get a story like that out there. But nonetheless, I mean, here's the thing with LeBron. Uh, I, I don't know where he's going to sign. By the way, uh, I'll get into this a little bit later, actually, with the penalty flag segment. But um, obviously, he's going to be highly coveted. Uh, everyone knows what he's capable of. He's been in the finals now for how many? Eight consecutive years. I've talked about this before. Um... But the supporting cast, he's got to be—he's got to go somewhere where he has that. A lot of people are talking about Philadelphia. A lot of people are saying in Los Angeles it could happen if Paul George also follows through. I mean, the, the whole LeBron James and Paul George to LA narrative has been written for a couple of years now. So people are just waiting for that part to come to fruition. So look, I don't know where LeBron goes, but he's got to be—he's got to go somewhere where he does have a strong supporting cast if he wants to match up with the Warriors in the finals, uh, the NBA finals or the conference finals, whichever it ends up being, depending where he ends up signing. I do want to talk about the FIFA World Cup. This is going to go under, uh, it's going to get underway this weekend. And the United States is not in it. At first, I thought this is a major loss for Fox and, and, and Fox Sports in general. Uh, a lot of these soccer games in the United States, they're going to be aired on Fox and Fox Sports. Um, I'm assuming they'll also be on Fox Deportes for all the Spanish channels out there. But I don't know if Fox... I mean, this might not be the greatest year to have uh, the FIFA World Cup, even if the United States was in it. Because I'm looking at the schedule, and again, I understand that the World Cup's in Russia, but I also didn't really think about that part either. Because I'm looking, I looked at the schedule. A lot of these games are on at 7 a.m., 10 a.m., uh... 
1 a uh, 1 p.m. I mean, this is the, the, the schedule is not really friendly for those who live in the United States, assuming you have a job. Uh, if you're if you're in a summer class, and you, really the only people who are probably going to be home to be able to see these are young high school kids that don't uh, who are 13, 14 years old who don't have a job yet. Um, I mean, some 14 year olds, props to you if you do. By the way, do have jobs, but most of them probably don't. Middle school kids, they're probably going to be at home watching these games. A lot of people are going to be at work now. Are people really going to turn on their TVs to see Iran and Morocco Friday at 10 a.m. Absolutely not. And if you're gonna watch, if you're not gonna watch those two teams, I mean, what? And I'm not saying those two teams are great, but who, who do you have interest in seeing? Honestly, if you, a lot of people in the United States don't necessarily follow soccer, but they still want to follow the men's national team. And if that's your only interest with the FIFA World Cup. What is there to really check out? I'm just going to be a casual viewer. I really am. I'll catch whatever game I can. But I'm not going to be too upset if I miss a lot of these games simply because the United States isn't in it and the timings for these games are horrible. Um, I know some people will take a a, a day off to see maybe a Royals game, uh, a a day game for their baseball team, whatever the case may be. But, uh, you know, when you have a lot of soccer games for the FIFA World Cup on during the day like this, uh, I don't know if people are going to be allowed to take so many days off to be able to follow the FIFA World Cup. Not really a fan of the timing, but again, they don't necessarily do that to uh, accommodate the American audience. I mean, they've got a worldwide audience for this. So, And plus, with the United States not in it, I don't think they're really expecting a lot of viewers from the U.S., and understandably so. By the way, I do want to talk about this. A woman... Speaking of the Royals, she created a few small fires at Kauffman Stadium that she's been taken into custody. Details are very crazy about this. She snuck into the stadium 8 a.m. on a Tuesday. The Royals were on the road, so there's less activity in and around Kauffman Stadium when the team is away. Now, there may be some events that take place, such as I mean, maybe you have a concert once in a while. Maybe you've got a college game or a high school game. But really not a whole lot of activity. At 8 a.m. on a t- last Tuesday, this woman snuck in. She was caught at 4.30 a.m. the next day on Wednesday. So for 20 plus hours, this crazy woman uh, in the sweltering summer heat in Kansas City was at Kauffman Stadium. I don't know exactly where in Kauffman Stadium she was. They're still investigating that. But she was... Had to be sweating. I mean, I don't. I don't think she ate anything for these twenty plus hours. I don't know if she drank anything. I don't know how anyone could really be out there for twenty hours without any food, drink. You're at a stadium environment. It's not necessarily the most uh, ideal place to spend twenty hours for. Uh, I'm guessing she was hiding in and around some of the seats. Again, you're. you're I mean, you're hiding on concrete or. or, or Hiding in the grass for so long with the sun beaming. I don't know, man. Um, but what I do know is this woman, uh, she's uh, very loco, as they say in some countries. Uh, I, 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 20 hours? I mean, th- th- again, we're talking in a city where humidity is uh, unfortunately a big, uh, big part of the summer. And to be at that stadium for so long, I, boy, uh, I, I am surprised that she is alive. If you see her mugshot, by the way, she looks like she just got done filming uh, 20 hours of like uh, 
an episode of The Walking Dead, nonstop just filming the show. Like, like there was a scene where she was running from zombies for 20 consecutive hours. I mean, that's how bad it looked on her mugshot. But, uh, she survived. Props to her. I mean, you gotta, you, you've gotta say something positive, I guess, for something like that. Final segment of the show, let's throw some penalty flags. Big up to the Washington Capitals. I was pulling for the Vegas Golden Knights to win the Stanley Cup, but the Capitals came away with a win here. Uh, by the way, the Golden Knights have these really cool theatrical pregame ceremonies that they do, and they also had Michael Buffer sticking to their personality of being Vegas, the combat sports capital of the world, uh, in which he introduced the Vegas Golden Knights at one point. The Capitals tried to match that by bringing in, quote, Long-time Washington Capitals season ticket holder, Pat Sajak. You know Pat Sajak, the longtime host of Wheel of Fortune. So he shows up to introduce the Las Vegas Golden Knights starting lineups. Then he introduced the starting lineups for the Washington Capitals. He started mispronouncing names. For a guy who is, quote, a long-time Washington Capitals season ticket holder... Sure as hell did not know how the hell to say Alex Ovechkin. Didn't know how to say TJ Oshie. And this guy has criticized certain people for not getting certain phrases correctly. Okay, Pat. We, I mean, come on. I mean, this guy... People have heard some of the stories about Pat Sajak. Not really the nicest guy there. Maybe a, if, I, if I have to put a kindly kind of a tool. Yeah. Pat Sajak. Way to go. Uh, for a guy who hosts a show that has to do with words and the rules are so specific that they criticize you for not pronouncing a certain word correctly, I mean, uh, or a certain name, a noun, whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, Sajak just totally butchered that when he went for the, to introduce the names for the Capitals. That almost reminds me of Steve Harvey not being able to properly name the uh, winner of the uh, Miss Universe contest uh, when he had to just read off a card. Something he's very used to. Uh, but anyway, moving on, I do want to talk about the Golden Knights. Because a lot of people said that the Vegas Golden... First of all, the story was very special. A lot of people loved it. Then all of a sudden, they get to the Stanley Cup. And people started saying that the Vegas Golden Knights don't deserve a title in year one. And really, I don't think... That's a fair thing to say. Let's say Kansas City. Let's say it was not Las Vegas. Let's say it was Kansas City that got the hockey team. The Kansas City Golden Knights. Okay, let's just let's just go with that. If this KC Golden Knights team makes it to the Stanley Cup, and if they get told they don't deserve a title in year one, a lot of people are going to take offense to that. I don't think I don't see why. A, I mean, look, you, you want to talk about the Golden Knights fans not suffering for years of losing, like Capitals fans? Okay, the city itself. I mean, there are a lot of people who live in Las Vegas for a long time, and they don't uh, they don't get a professional sports team. So I think that itself is a long time suffering. Where now you finally get a sports team, and not only that, they're a dominant sports team in their first year. So. I really don't appreciate the fact that people were saying that about the Golden Knights. Let's keep one thing in mind. The Kansas City Royals had really almost no fan support 
for a long time. Then they all of a sudden get fan support a month later in 2014 in the wildcard game. Uh, A lot of people criticized Royals fans for suddenly starting to follow the team, and Royals fans took a lot of offense to that. So look, I mean, it's really just hypocrisy here that people will say that about one fan base, yet they would feel positive about that if that was their team in that same exact situation. So let's drop the whole notion that the Golden Knights fans don't deserve a title after in their first year of play. Because it's not their fault that they did so well in their first year. I mean, come on. They exceeded beyond expectations, 200 to 1, 500 to 1 odds, whatever the odds were. And they made it to the title game. They deserved it. Final thing I want to talk about here, this is a very bizarre story. I have never seen a story like this. We've seen some crazy things in sports this year. The Vegas Golden Knights dominating in their first year. Nick Foles, a backup quarterback who ended up winning Super Bowl MVP. This itself is very crazy. We've seen people over the years lose their jobs because of stupidity on social media. Well, uh, one sports general manager took it to another level. So it somehow came out that Brian Colangelo, I believe is how you pronounce it, the former general manager of the 76ers, who now resigned, by the way, it somehow got out that he was using burner accounts on Twitter and basically started throwing the team under the bus, started creating all these rumors, negatively talking about the team, saying negative things about Joel Embiid. Um... This got very interesting and very ugly. And it was not a very pretty situation for the players. So he somehow got caught with it. Somebody out ousted him for this. Somebody inside knew about it. And his resignation note, he threw his wife under the bus saying she was responsible for some of these accounts. <laughs> How does that happen? Uh, but anyway... Um, this was, this is, this is ridiculous. I mean, why is an, why is any sports general manager spending time on Twitter creating fake accounts and starting rumors about his own team? I mean, did he want a reason to trade a certain guy? I don't, I don't know. But he ended up resigning, forced resignation, I'm sure. Now, by the way, and I wanted to say this about LeBron James, but I wanted to hold it for now. A lot of people want the 76ers GM job. Even people who are working as a GM now, they want the Sixers GM job because there's a talk about LeBron James going to Philadelphia and having him team up with Joel Embiid and how that might be the best duo to possibly dethrone the Golden State Warriors. Uh, It's crazy how this is all turned, but... Uh, man, I, I really d- can't understand an, a, a sports executive, a general manager, willing to go this far to throw his own team under the bus. This is absolutely asinine. I have never seen anything like this. I didn't even think it was possible. And it has led him to now no longer being a GM. I mean, look, I'm sure he'll get picked up somewhere, but he's not going to have a job anywhere close to a GM. He's going to have... Uh, a lower key job uh, with a, with the front office of an NBA team, but man, to, to really do that, I, I think a lot of teams are. are I, I I don't know if he's ever going to work as a general manager ever again. I really don't. 
Um, you lost the trust of a lot of people, and that just looks really bad on you. I mean, burner accounts? I, uh, what, what? How old is this guy is what I want to know. I'm, I'm going to quickly look that up real quickly uh, as I talk about this. I mean, we, we hear about teenagers and, and the immature things they do on social media sometimes just to get under the, the skin of somebody. 53 years old. The guy just turned 53 this month. And he's obviously got enough time on his hands to go create burner accounts on Twitter. Some life, that is. I mean, really thrilling stuff. Can you imagine if Brett Veach did anything like that? Just do reaction. Marty McDonald would be flying banners again to, to, to push another cause here. That's how bad it could get. I hope that never happens with any sports team. I don't care. I'm not even like the Raiders or the Broncos, any of those teams. This should never happen to any professional sports franchise. And it's a shame it happened to the 76ers. But it's great that he has now left and they are moving on uh, with a new GM. Crazy. Let me know your thoughts on everything we discuss here. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Twitter.com slash Farzine 21. You guys can also email me, Farzine at Farzine A big thank you to all of you guys for downloading and listening to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. Hit the share button. Share it with your friends. Let them know about the Chief Zone podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. Talk to me on social media. Until then, I'll talk to you guys next week. We'll talk about Chiefs minicamp. Talk about all the news and notes in and around Kansas City, as well as around the NFL. We'll do that next Tuesday, same time, same place. Enjoy the rest of your week. Talk to you next week.